Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan, here with Matthew Statler. We're back at it again, continuing on in our series of discovering hope in trauma. And Matt, that got me to thinking, you know, we're, we kind of got this, this uh, baseline we're doing for these series where we're, you know, general understanding, defining the terms, what is the thing we're talking about, but then how does a fellow Christian help another Christian uh, endeavor in that aspect of their life? And, and we're talking about trauma and it got me thinking about the uh, Lark de Triomphe, I think is how you <laughs> told me to say it. Uh, <laughs> since you know French, uh, why don't you say it all pretty like for our listeners? I don't know if I can say it pretty, but Lark de Triomphe. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It was a massive stone arc or archway um, that was built and commissioned to be built by Napoleon. And, you know, I was just thinking about the construction of these stone arcs and um essentially how they work is stones are are almost pushed against each other and it's in that that space of tension and and leverage that keeps the thing standing Um, otherwise it'll just buckle from the middle up, up top right so there's this pressure put um to hold one another up essentially and i was got i got to thinking about just the church and the and the hope of the church is, especially when we're talking about trauma and discussing trauma, there's this tension here in the center. And unless the church pushes one another into that tension, they'll they'll collapse, right? And so what we're talking about here and discovering hope in trauma is really a charge of a believer um, to help another believer who's dealing with the intense uh, pressure of these um, afflictions that they they're reminded of daily often or um, they're they're waking up with terror they're you know not really sure how to navigate their family relationships because they're they feel this pressure at all times right and so we have this unique ability as fellow believers to help push uh, one another towards being able to hold that that tension and it got me thinking about Second Corinthians one verse twenty four, which says that we are workers with you for your joy, because you stand firm in your faith, and and essentially, you know, Matt, a uh, Christian navigating trauma with another Christian is working for the other person's joy. Neil, I what I what I like about what you're saying, um, going back to your analogy, your illustration, there's a a, a way of building arch, arch archways. I don't know how how to say it properly in English now, uh, but there's a way there's a way of building these archways, and you pile up these stones, and then you have a, a it's not a cornerstone, it's like a, an arch stone that you it's in a certain shape, and the rest of it kind of leans into it, and th- it's a real I mean it's beautiful, it's an art. Um, I think in England a lot of times they did those around like entry gateways and stuff like that dovetails. Uh, yeah, and I, and I see and I see that as a representative of Christ. Christ is what we lean into, um, and even in your passage, if you go up to um, verse twenty, it says, "For all the promises of God find their yes and in, in Him." That is why it is through Him that we utter our Amen to God mm. for His glory. 
And then it says, and it is God who established us, us with you in Christ and has anointed us. Uh, Paul is dealing with Christians who are struggling. Yeah. Um, they are struggling in against sin and they're suffering. They're, all these things are happening. And so, as you were saying, uh, leaning in to Christ and bringing others into it, um, pointing them to Christ in their suffering, in their trials. Um, and so your your text was 2 Corinthians one twenty four, but also we see that in uh, Thessalonians. Yeah. And 1 Thessalonians, right? Yeah, 1 Thessalonians, no less. No more and no less. <laughs> and uh, verse... <laughs> Yeah, verse 1 of chapter 3, it says, Therefore we could no longer stand it. We thought it was better to be left alone in Athens, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ. So Paul is sending someone to the Thessalonians uh, because they were struggling, and they, they couldn't really, they didn't know what was going on with them, and so they sent someone to them. Hmm. Um, our co-worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. Hmm. So their biggest need in their trial, in their affliction was faith. And yeah. so they sent a co-worker, a, uh, a pastoral assistant down to do that. And so um, I think many of us are called to be that strengthener and encourager to someone who is struggling with the, um, with, with trauma and with struggle. And what I, I want to point out is often it's a sent position. Yeah. Um, how often as veterans do we want to isolate, mm-hmm. um, push people away, um, not go to the church building because there's so many people there, right? We want to um, stay at home. And so sometimes it means being sent out, uh, going and knocking on their door, calling them, texting them, meeting up with them, um, in neutral spaces, uh, in an effort to encourage and strengthen their faith. And and so that's kind of what we want to talk about is how do we do that, yeah. right? How do we strengthen and encourage someone in their faith uh, as they go through trials and struggles and temptations uh, in their trauma? Right. Yeah. I You know, it's funny. I was on the phone uh, yesterday or the day before. Um, we had a veteran who uh, is about an hour from us who is is really struggling, uh, not only in his faith, but just, you know, f- he's responding to his affliction in uh, sinful manners. Right. Um, but there's this there's this believer out there where he's at who works for the police department. He sees this guy, he's, you know, wants to help him. Right. So I spent some time on the phone with this gentleman, you know, just reminding him of these, you know, several truths. And he went directly to where that other veteran was to, to encourage him with that. So it kind of like, this is, this is about like when you become aware of a situation or if another believer and, and oftentimes you're not the one who's going to be able to directly um, help. Right. But there are people on the ground that you can uh, commission and encourage and embolden and, and uh, send right to to go and and fill that space, and that happens all the time. Um, I mean, this is the beauty of biblical counseling, right? Oftentimes, um, we're sending other people to biblical counselors who are in their area who can encourage and walk with them directly in that, but not just counselors, right? And we don't 
uh, we don't want to uh, say, man, we outsource care, right? Because we don't, we cannot. Uh, sometimes we do because of a matter of necessity, but man, the church has been commissioned by God to hold fast to their confession together, right? So, um, always love Matt when I when I, you know, so Stephen and I when we preach, um, we we finish, we do the benediction, and then we race to the front door where people are going to exit um, because we want to catch people when they're leaving. And, and that's where we, you know, kind of work on relational, you know, pastoral relations. Right. But one of the things that we both have noticed is the people in our church, there's, there's different kind of, I feel like attitudes as people visit with one another. And I've been calling them the watchers and they'll, they'll be talking with, you know, a family, but their eyes are always moving. They're looking for people. Who, who's on the outside? Who's isolating? Who's trying to run out? You know, um, who do I need to go check in with? And yeah. oftentimes those members will go and they'll, they'll, they'll find out what's going on and they'll, you know, almost like come back to their pastors and say, Hey, you might want to maybe go get lunch with this person this week, you know, or, but they're always watching. Right. And, and I love that, that idea, especially for, you know, the, the topic of trauma and affliction, you know, like we don't know what all people are dealing with, but we need to be watching for it. We need to be searching that out so that we can, uh, like Paul says, uh, work for their joy. So I think the first point that we would say is that there is a disposition of um, wanting to be there to, right. to one another, somebody. Yeah. Uh, we're all called to one another, but some people are really good at having a disposition, um, pr- you know, prepared to intercede, prepared to jump in. Uh, and so that needs to be the first step. If you want to care for somebody who is suffering, uh, you know, whether it be trauma, whether it be uh, affliction, what it, whatever aspect, you have to have a disposition, uh, be willing to be used by God um, in that position. So that's yeah. the first step. That's the first yeah point. Yes. And then the next thing I think is um, we have to listen, right? We have to be listening. So what are what are they saying? What words are coming out? Now, some people, you can really draw out conversation and they're willing to tell you their whole life story. Others um, are, are not so good at expressing what they're feeling. Um, and so maybe getting wise and asking questions um, you know, you're, you're, you, you, you go and you see a guy that's really standoffish and you set up a coffee meeting with him. Um, and you sit down with him, you know, his back's never to the door. He's very, um, anxious all the time. And you sit down with him and you begin to talk, um, ask him what he thinks about God. Um, you know, Hey, what is the character of God that you really cling to during this time of your suffering? And just kind of start to draw out what their beliefs are, because the goal is to strengthen them in their faith, uh, which means in their trust. Who do they trust in? Are they trusting in their own selves? And that one time they trusted in themselves or their friend, there was an explosion that happened and they lost somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, Were they putting all their hope in in the intelligence of the military to give them the right uh, information about a, a, a target situation, you know, and then they were betrayed by friends or family and say, who's your trust? in?" well, our trust is in God. 
Um, And and so you want to to strengthen them by giving them correct information um, of the character of God. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah. And along that line of, of just asking good questions, you know, Matt, uh, oftentimes I'll go get lunch with somebody and I have no clue what I'm walking into. Um, but I'll ask them like, Hey, what, what's God challenging you with right now? Or where are you, what are you, what do you think you're struggling with the most right now that man, you man, you could use, use some help struggling with. Um, I always tell people if it's on Sunday morning, uh, and you're having those conversations, maybe ask like, man, what part of that sermon really, uh, challenged you or maybe you're like really struggling with, uh, coming to grips with, um, oftentimes people will have like a, a mental note that will open up the doorway for whatever really is going on in their lives. Um, people are less, uh, I think less desiring of being secretive than we might assume. Um, yeah. And as soon as we kind of crack the door um, where they're starting to get introspective, they're, they're going to want to talk. And then that's your opportunity. Like Matt saying, that's your opportunity to really listen to what's going on in their lives. And, and listening is good. Like, so don't get us wrong. Like it's good to listen. Um, and, and that can be healthy for a lot of people, but we cannot miss that our responsibility, our goal is to encourage them and strengthen them in their faith. Yes. Uh, so if we just listen, uh, maybe if we have multiple times where we have lots of time to listen, that's good. But we cannot just listen. We also need to give them um, things from the Word of God. And, and we know that faith comes from hearing the Word of God. And so, um, you know, I, I'm thinking about a, a time when a guy was just sharing with me all this information and he, and he just wanted to talk. He was not interested um, in hearing anything from me. And finally I said, I said, you know, man, you have a lot that we are unpacking here. I said, and, and let me just tell you what God thinks of this. Yeah. And I opened up a passage and I walked him through it. And that was the morsel that he needed mm. to get out of that self introspection uh, and, and I wanted to point out one more thing. So I'm preaching through the woman at the well. Uh, we yeah. started out with the, the thirst, the need for living water. Jesus is the living water. In fact, he promises to give a fountain of living water through the Holy Spirit. And we see that um, that need. But it's interesting that I'm in the part now where Jesus is about to say, go tell your husband or go get your husband, right? And he knows she has had four husbands and the man that she's living with is not her husband or five husbands and the one she's not live. And so what we, what we see is Jesus compassionately reveals her heart. He opens up the shame in order to point her to the living water that she really needs. Um, And that's, that's a hard thing, but he is willing to go and talk theological truth with her uh, about his character, about the character of God. And so um, that's a that's a big part in strengthening someone's faith. Neil, have what are some good encouragements that you have done or seen done? Um, and what are some maybe bad ways to encourage someone? Uh, because we can fall on both sides, right? Oh, yeah. I think, uh, well, my brain always goes to bad first. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, it's stickier. Um, man, Oftentimes I hear people go or immediately attribute 
man, there's some kind of demonic this going on in your life. Hey, I'll come to your house and, you know, light some sage and pray through the every room, you know, <laughs> we'll I've seen crystals. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that. You need some of the, this, this smelly oil on this doorpost and write these things, you know, um, almost like there's some sort of like, uh, mysticism or magic around, uh, what people are dealing with. And, and, you know, just hear me. I'm not saying <laughs> affliction is not due to some sort of oppressive work in your life. Um, that we can't see absolutely that exists there. Right. But, but to be clear, there's no, some, there's not this like magical recipe to resolve that issue. No, there's not at all. In fact, um, and Paul, the Bible never gives us these kind of like equations or recipes for dealing with X, Y, and Z. Um, and so the, but what is given is, uh, this strengthening of faith via the word of God, via prayer, um, via communion with the saints. And those are kind of like the big three categories, I think, for how we encourage, uh, we commune first and foremost, yeah. you know, we want to be a presence in people's lives and that ministry, right. And right. That's right. Yeah. And so that's like a number one principle for encouraging, uh, best practice, right. Is presence. Because we cannot expect people to um, open themselves up if we're not present there, you know. Yeah. And then the second thing I would say is communion. Uh, well, I mean, sorry, I said communion with the saints. That God uses that to work for good. But the second would would be prayer. Uh, man, the prayers of the saints work for the good of the godly, right? Like that. Yeah. That's something Thomas Watson um, kind of teases out in his book all things for good or and Nicole, uh, what what do you pray for though like let's let's get drilled down on that yeah. because some people will pray for relief not redemption right yeah no totally we we want to pray for their faith yeah uh, we want we want to pray that their faith would be emboldened that it is faith that saves the sick, right? Like James five fifteen, and the Lord raises them up. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, man, we wanted to pray for their faith to be emboldened, to be deep rooted, uh, that they would be presently aware of the living water springing up in them. Um, and so, yeah, man, uh, we we don't want to pray simply for relief. Yeah, we ask God for those things. He has the Amen. power yeah. to relieve. Um, and to be the, the, the solve, right. Or the bomb for the wound. Um, but more importantly, we want to pray that faith would be deeply rooted in them, that they would not forget the promises of God, the yes and the amen. Right. right, um, right. like Paul says in second Corinthians one. Um, but, but yeah. And then the third encouragement I would say is be ready to, um, commit truths of scripture, uh, to encourage and to um, remind them of the character and nature of God. Because I think that, Matt, is what we forget. I think we forget who God is. Uh, when we're struggling, when we're afflicted, man, we just man, we just get sideways, right? Like we forget the roadway we're on. <laughs> uh, yeah. th that that th this is who my God is, you know? And I'm reminded of many Psalms, uh, but there's this constant uh, redirecting of the heart um, to go to the source, right? And so, man, I, I have no peace in my life. I hear from people often who are dealing with post-traumatic stress, 
and they say, man, I don't have peace and I'm afraid to look for it because I think if I start looking at what's going on in me, uh, it'll just make it worse. And we need to remind them, man, like, no, we don't like look inside of us for peace. We look to the, the source of peace, which is God is Christ in him. We may have peace in this world. We will have trouble. Take art. Christ has overcome the world. Like this is what Jesus has said. Come to me. I'm the source of what you're longing for. You know, truly so peace is not found in introspection. Right. Right. Okay. It's, it's, it's external to yes. us. It's from out, it's an alien thing to it's us. It's an alien thing. Yeah. Right. And so, man, we must, we must endeavor to go to the source, the well, right? The well of living water. Right. So I, the reason I brought up the external thing is I was uh, talking to a family, a friend um, who had family who was struggling with post-traumatic stress uh, and they were going to the VA and the VA doctor was telling her that she needed to self-care. She needed to um, not deal with the the child that's like, I think the child is three years old or something like that. Not deal with that, leave that to her husband. She really needs to care for herself. And so she needs to lay in bed longer. She needs to um, not deal with her kid. You know, all these things that are so, um, that what the world tells us, right? We yeah, neglect. We, Neglect yeah, others. neglect your duties right. um, because you can't care for others if you don't care for yourself. That's that's the thinking uh, behind the therapeutic models, right? And so that's what they're telling her. And her husband is like, "Holy smokes, what do I do?" I mean, he's he's willing to work. He's he's doing all that he can, but he's like, "I'm struggling here." He's like, "She is." And she's getting worse, yeah. right? She's feeling guilty. She's feeling shame because she hears, you know, stuff going on in the morning, getting everybody ready. And she's laying in bed because her doctor said, don't do anything. Right. Uh, and so you, you have this mentality. So we don't want the veteran um, or the person that's struggling with trauma to say, well, I'm just going to self-care. So I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to serve my family. I'm not going to... Uh, you know, take out the trash. I'm going to just sit in my lawn chair and, you know, drink beer because that's going to make me feel better. Uh, And so that's, that's bad advice. Yeah. Uh, Or, and we use this, we use bad advice all the time, right? So, you know, someone's struggling with alcohol or their marriage because of drinking and he calls up his buddy and says, Hey, I I really need some help. My wife's being a, a, is hard. I'm trying to do all this. And they're like, Oh, come out to the bar with us and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Right. We, uh, we neglect to care for people because we are using, I guess, man's opinion yeah. um, or what seems right to man. Wor- worldly wisdom. I think the Bible would kind of express that as it, Yeah. And Matt, we don't understand too the secondary trauma that that causes in, in right. neglect. Um, man, I can think of my life, right? Like there was, you know, there was a time where I was in rehab. I was, I'm a drunk, right. And I'm trying to get sober and I have this newborn and my, my young wife, you know, and basically I'm told like, you have to focus on your getting better or else you're going to wreck your family. And man, I believe that, like totally believe that. And 
So what did I do? I sent my wife and my newborn away from me because I couldn't get better, quote unquote, get better with them in my presence or me yeah. in their presence. So I, I effectively made my wife a single mother for a year and a half. And yeah. that she she says to me now, Matt, that that was worse for her than all of <laughs> the stuff, all of the destructive behaviors in, that I was exhibiting because, yeah. um, man, I had put all the responsibility on her and then, and almost like exiled her from me. Yeah. And that was more traumatic to her and caused more resentment and bitterness in her heart towards me than all the rest of it. And I thought I was trying to help her by getting out of her presence, you know? So, you know, we often want to use whatever we think or whatever the world's wisdom is regarding an issue. And it's in fact more traumatic. Yeah. Um, in, in, in many cases, most cases, I would say, have, have you, um, where, where have, where's your experience been around that? Where, man, you just, okay, I, I listened to what they said and then, which wasn't a biblical truth. And man, that came crashing or was devastating in other ways. Yeah, well, you know, it goes back down to this the self worship. Mm. Uh, that's why I think the therapeutic model misses the boat because it's made by men who are not believers, and so a lot of it is a it's a type of religion. Yeah, uh, and and so like the same thing with me, right? So I I was getting medically retired from the army. Uh, I was like searching for job ideas. What can I do to you know to support my family? Um, and so, you know, I was pursuing whatever I thought would make me happy. Um, and so isolation was big. Um, I was reading a book about how, uh, it's the new norm, you know, this is your new normal and, you know, you just need to manage. accept it. Yeah. Band it, manage it, accept it. Um, and so, yeah, it was completely cool for me to yell and scream at my wife, uh, when I was anxious because, um, you know, that's, I've had, I had a hard thing in my life, trauma and, and, you know, I've, I've been traumatized. And so, um, that's great or venting, right? Oh, don't hold your anger in or bottle it up. You must vent it. Um, and so, yeah, if I wanted to yell at somebody on the, on the road, yeah, go for it. Who cares? Right. Cuss them out you know, do whatever. The problem is it's all, it's all self-centered. It's all self-focused. Um, and so I just became more selfish. I just kept feeding into that. And the more self I became more and more selfish. And it wasn't until I realized my life is to glorify God. My life is to please God. Like that needs to be the goal of everything as Corinthians even tells us, um, that my whole in the whole way I started doing things changed, right? I wasn't looking for that next buzz or that next um, adrenaline rush. Um, I wasn't trying to show off how hardcore I was by how much I could drink or, uh, you know, how many women I could uh, chase after whatever. It was now I was like, man, I, am I doing this to the glory of God? Am I, uh, if I'm, am I living, living a pleasing life even when I don't feel like it? Right. Right. And, um, man, it's hard to, to trust in God when you don't feel like doing what God has told you to do to, to please him. Yeah. Um, and, and, and also, you know, Neil on this, it does come back to trust. Right. Because for me, 
I th- I said, let me vent my anger now so that I can later be a good dad at home, right? And so that worldly wisdom was vented. That way it's like a release valve. And then the problem is when you release your anger, it becomes like a, a city without walls. You have no protection. Yeah. You are unmanageable. Um, and so that anger was then real easy for me to release at home too. Because it's habitual at that point. Because it's become habitual and because, you know, it's all about me anyway. Mm-hmm. And so when I started realizing I have to trust that God will help me through this emotion um, and trusting in him and in his um, providing me a way of escape when things started getting overwhelming at home, you know, when the kids are crying or whatever, when I trusted in him to provide that, um, my, my response to things were completely different. And so that was kind of like a little thing for me is what, um, yeah, what helped. Yeah. And, you know, I hope, I hope our listeners aren't hearing like, okay, you need to go to your friend and you tell him to suck it up. <laughs> you know, like yeah, that's yeah. definitely not what we're saying. Um, but there is a way to communicate graciously that tells you, you know, Hey, buck, buckle up your britches, bud. Like, and let's endeavor towards obedience. I can think about my uh, mentor early on uh, when I was coming to grips with like, okay, how do I become this man God created me to be while I'm dealing with these massive things in my life that are really hard. And, you know, the way that he would encourage me was always, um, cross centric. So, Hey man, like this was a failure. The way you responded was unrighteous. Um, but man, like second Corinthians five 19, um, in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself not, and not counting our trespasses against us. And he's committed the message of reconciliation to us. And so, man, like um, David was his name. What he would do was he would he would remind me of the place I need to go now. Like go to go be reconciled with God through Christ. Like the Holy Spirit's convicting of you of this reality in your life and you need to run to Jesus and not only that, man, be, be don't forget he's not counting your trespasses against you, but he's he wants you to walk in righteousness today. So endeavor to serve your wife, not for because you have some expectation to get what you want, but because it's what God calls you to. And you love God. And he's reconciling your relationship there and also your relationship with him. And so um, and the, that's the way we kind of go about this. Um, but. You know, I think another example uh, of of an uh, passive encouragement maybe is you know just as Matt and I just kind of shared some things from our lives, right? Uh, some experiences where we failed in this area, um, dear Saint. When you are communing with other saints and you yeah. share your experiences, man, God uses that to quicken other, other saints, right. To, to harden, to embolden, to encourage, and to create a transparent um, vehicle for that group of believers. Right. So that, man, you know, Hey, Neil and Matt dealt with that. And I never heard that before. And I'm really dealing with this too, you know, like, Hey, what did God use in your life to help you? You know, and that like, when you fall on your sword in transparent conversation, other people want to follow. 
And yeah. so you open a you open a doorway up in that way. Neil, I had a, a pastor say to me, he's like, How do I counsel or help someone who has, you know, post traumatic stress disorder, bipolar, uh, you know, massive depression, you know, all the all the labels, the DSM five yeah. labels. How do I do that? He's like, because I don't I've never been to war, I've never been to combat. And I and I looked at him, I said, Have you ever struggled with anything? And he was like, yeah, all the time. Right. Have you ever suffered? Has anything hard ever happened to you? Yeah, all the time. Go there. Share with them. You know, hey, I haven't been in combat. I don't know what it's like to get blown up. But let me ask, let me tell you, I had my child in the hospital for three weeks with, uh, you know, because he had a car accident or, yeah. you know, you know, and he could share that and how his, his heart responded to that hard thing. Um, I said, yeah, share that as you talk to this person and then point them to Christ, how you found hope in Christ. Right. And, and I think I, he found that very helpful. And he remembers that every time we meet, he always brings it up. It's kind of funny um, <laughs> that that was such a helpful point for him because he said, you know what? All these temptations are common to man. Uh, and we don't have a high priest who hasn't gone through the same thing ourselves. Yeah. Um, so uh, what an encouragement Hey, if, if you are struggling with post-traumatic stress, uh, trauma, what have you, let, let Neil and I know. Maybe there's something we can reach out, send you an email, talk with you, send you to a biblical counselor. Yeah. Um, um, or if you're, if you're seeking to help someone, uh, when I shared my testimony at the ACBC conference, the, mo- the majority of people that came and talked to me were parents of a kid who was struggling with... Um, you know, their time in war. And so, um, man, there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help. Um, and, and we want to be a giving, you know, we want to give good, uh, biblical advice, good biblical wisdom. Um, and so reach out to us if you have anything. And if not, um, Neil, do you want to run us out of this? Yeah. Yeah. It's our heart to continue to pray for whoever's listening. So, uh, you can always, comment on our Facebook page and say, Hey, I just need some prayer over this topic I'm dealing with in my life personally. And, uh, we would love to, to chat with you, like Matt said, and, and uh, and pray for you because we believe that man, God actively listens to the voices of his children and, uh, man works, works to embolden the faith in us through that vehicle of prayer. So, uh, guys, we thank you for listening to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline podcast. Until next time, Neil and Matt, we out.